General Counsel of the Army, Steve Morello, asked himself the same question every single day after starting his position in 2001. As I walked those halls and, uh, you know, received that unquestionable respect and all that other kind of thing that goes with the office, I would ask myself constantly, so I would actually pray, Lord, um, why do you have a deacon in the belly of the beast? Why is the deacon here? Why do you want me here? What is my role? What am I to do here? Steve, the general counsel of the army, was also Deacon Steve and had been for 10 years. For the first six weeks on the job, he was struggling to make sense of his two very distinct positions of leadership. One, a man of the cloth, and the other, a man esteemed in the world. And I asked that every day for six weeks, and then I found the answer. Let's look at the Pentagon now. The commercial plane. We're looking at a uh, live picture from Washington. We just saw the fire. How large there was the explosion? There is smoke pouring out of the Pentagon. The answer was the airplane came into the building, and that's why I was there. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. This episode is sponsored by Alliance Catholic Credit Union. Learn how you belong here at AllianceCatholic.com. Steve Morello was working in corporate law in some regional Detroit offices until 1987, when his company announced they would be closing the offices and moving their lawyers back to the East Coast. This was a problem for Steve. That presented a huge problem for me because I was going to be ordained in a few short months. For the last five years, Steve had been studying in the diaconate program at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. And basically, I had to make a choice, keep the job and go back to the East Coast or quit the job and get ordained. And it wasn't even close for me. I quit the job and uh, ended up being ordained. So I was looking for work. Being forced to look for work ended up being a really good thing for Steve. As it turns out, a gentleman downriver who was very famous at the time and um, owned quite a few different businesses, was looking for a lawyer. The gentleman downriver was Heinz Prechter, a renowned German entrepreneur and philanthropist who is credited for bringing the concept of car sunroofs to the U.S. And he was a major manufacturer of automotive products. He was also a close friend of the Bush family. For nearly 10 years, Steve worked for Heinz as his general counsel. So when the last Chad dangled in the December of 1990, and it was pretty clear that George W. Bush would be elected president, I asked uh, Heinz if he would assist me in becoming general counsel of the Army. And uh, he thought about it for a little while, and then he said, yes, I will help you. So he called President Bush, got him on the phone, and told the president that he wanted to give him his lawyer. And Heinz held the phone out so I could hear President Bush. And the president said to him, well, Heinz, tell him to apply online like everybody else. Heinz looked over at me and he says, apply online like everybody else. So I did. And by March, I was in the Pentagon being interviewed. Steve was given his choice to be general counsel of the Army or general counsel of the Navy. And because he had been in the Army for four years in Germany and two years in the Reserves, he chose the Army. So I had a Senate confirmation hearing, which was in itself very interesting. And um, that was in June. The Senate confirmed me the beginning of July. And by the 27th of July of 2001, I was 
sworn in as general counsel of the Army. As the chief legal officer for the Department of the Army, Steve oversaw all the lawyers that worked in the Army, both military and civilian. From a supervisory situation, the general counsel of the Army is the highest-ranking attorney in the Army. So the judge advocate general had a dotted line to the uh, Army general counsel and a direct line to the chief of staff of the Army. So I basically sat on top of a pile of 5,000 lawyers, and uh, it was a, it was a real hoot. There were a lot of things that were a hoot to Steve about the job. In the Pentagon, everyone is given a rank. Out of the 23,000 employees in the Pentagon, Steve was number 42, which meant that if the 41 men or women before him were to perish, he would be the Secretary of Defense. And because all those nominated by the President and confirmed by the Senate serve in a four-star rank for protocol purposes, Steve was given the four-star general treatment. I got to the Pentagon the end of July, so for six weeks it was all fun and games. You know, people were calling me sir, people were opening doors for me. Whenever I went to a meeting, there was a name tag. My name tag was on the place where I was to sit. I always sat to the right of the secretary. It was all very, it was really quite amazing. But the fun and games were all steeped in the gravity of his position working at the Pentagon the nerve center for all things national defense. Part of his onboarding included a 10-day tour of the Army installations across the U.S. and a government ethics seminar where he would serve as the designated agency ethics official. It was this seminar that a gun host D flew out to attend on September 10, 2001. I traveled to Virginia Beach where the seminar was and we expected to begin the seminar the morning of the 11th of September. So I'm up and ready to go. Um, I'm sitting in my seat for the kickoff um, presentation, which was to be done by Alberto Gonzalez, who at the time was the uh, White House counsel and the president's chief lawyer. And Mr. Gonzalez came out to the podium and he said uh, I'm sorry to announce, but the conference is canceled. I have to return to Washington immediately. And if you would like to know why, return to your hotel rooms and turn on your TV. When the first of two planes crashed in to the first of the two towers behind me. And when I got back to my hotel room and turned the TV on, that's when I saw a plume of smoke coming out of the side of the Pentagon. And watching what was going on was just horrifying to me. Steve immediately tried to phone the office, but the system at the Pentagon had entirely collapsed and phones weren't working. Steve had to get back, but he was in Virginia Beach, which is about three hours from Arlington, Virginia. He had no rental car and airplanes were obviously grounded, so Steve did the only thing he could to get back. He packed up his bags and hitchhiked back to D.C. The very next day, um, I went to the Pentagon, which was Wednesday, the um, 12th. And it was a completely different Pentagon than when I had left. Obviously, none of the employees were there. That building houses 23,000 employees for the Department of Defense. And it's pretty empty when there's nobody in there, except the senior officials. And since I was one, they let me in. And um, I surveyed the damage and all I could see were these individuals in black suits, black jumpsuits, 
black helmets and machine guns basically patrolling the hallways. And I had never seen that before. I knew that was not the normal uniform of any of the services. It was basically the uniform adopted by the Pentagon Protective, Protective Force um, because of the event. So it became very clear that there was an awful lot to be done in the immediate days following. Uh, and I rolled up my sleeves and began doing whatever I could do as the Army's general counsel to um, deal with the event. The third plane in the September 11 attacks destroyed the western face of the Pentagon. The impact punched a hole through layers of limestone, brick, concrete, blast-resistant geotextiles, and reinforced steel columns. Flames burst through the roof, reaching twice the size of the five-story target. 125 people inside the Pentagon, and all 64 on board the aircraft, were killed. While first responders searched rubble for remains and fought the fire that lingered days after the attack, while medical staff treated the injured, Steve sought to serve in both legal and spiritual capacities. Over the next several months, there were two things that I spent a lot of time doing. One was attending funerals on behalf of the secretary. The secretary of the Army went to a number of funerals initially for people who were killed in, in the Pentagon and who were Department of the Army, either civilians or uh, officers or enlisted people. It got to the point where he just couldn't take it anymore. So he asked me if I would go in his stead, and uh, I agreed. Of course, being a deacon uh, and being involved in funeral liturgies and all that kind of thing kind of prepared me for that mission. One of those funerals was for Michigan native Major Kip Taylor, someone who Steve had grown close to in those initial weeks. On September 13th, President Bush came to a meeting with survivors and families at the Pentagon and went immediately to Major Kip Taylor's pregnant widow and embraced her. The two were crying in each other's arms. The other thing that I did was every day for several weeks, I would spend a couple hours on the side of the building. It was interesting because um, while tons of relief workers were out there doing their thing, um, there were a number of military chaplains who were there as well providing spiritual counseling and everything else that you could think of in those situations. So I went out to assist them. I soon realized that as a four-star equivalent um, in the Pentagon, these were captains and majors mostly who were out there, all religious denominations, who had various needs that they were having a tough time getting met because their rank was quite low as far as the Pentagon goes. So I started making lists of the things that they needed on the side of the building. I would go back into the building, put on my general counsel's hat, give the list to my staff and say, hey, make sure these guys get this stuff. And if you get any pushback, let me know and I'll make the call personally. So I was able to provide a lot of direct and indirect assistance through that kind of activity. But it was mass on the side of the Pentagon, just days after the attacks, that was the most profound encounter with Christ for Steve. On the 16th of September, um, the senior Catholic chaplain in the Pentagon, Colonel Phil Hill, celebrated mass on the side of the building under one of the um, awnings. And 
the altar was situated such that all of the relief workers attended mass and they were a gritty lot. I mean, they, they came just as they were. They didn't wash up or anything. They only had a few minutes to stay for mass and then they went back in the building to bring out body parts, literally. They were seated in the under the awning uh, with their backs to the Pentagon. Uh, Father Hill and I were obviously facing the people, which meant we were standing and looking directly into the building, looking directly into the damaged area where the airplane landed. So all throughout that mass, which is probably the most um, touching liturgy that I've ever assisted at, you know, we talk in the Archdiocese these days about encounter, grow witness. Have you encountered the Lord? I can tell you on that day when I was assisting at that Mass, I encountered the Lord in the most profound way that I have ever encountered Him. And that is, in each one of those rescue workers, when you look into their eyes, you could see, you could see the Lord. And then when it was time to elevate the host and elevate the chalice, I looked directly at the host and the chalice and worshipped the Lord. And as I did that, I could see straight through to the side of the building. And I got the most profound sense of what it was like to be on Calvary that day because the side of the building looked to me like the pierced side of Christ. It was profound indeed. And, uh, well, it made a lifelong impression. That impression bolstered Steve through his work in the next few years, helping his Pentagon, his country, his church to grieve in the aftermath of tragedy. And life returned, though not ever to what it was before, to a new normal, one where Steve would work as general counsel of the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians in the Bush administration's Department of Energy and later private practice. The impression would follow him when he moved back to Michigan, serving masses at numerous churches, including St. James in Novi and St. John the 23rd in Redford. He brings with him that mystical experience from the Pentagon, that indelible mass where he saw the body of Christ in the suffering and resilience of the American people. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by Alliance Catholic Credit Union. Learn how you belong here at AllianceCatholic.com.